This is Joe Burns. And Chad P. Hey, thanks for listening to the Rock School Podcast. We think you'll learn something. Now remember, if you want to hear the show with all the music in place, go to kslu.org and stream the show live Thursdays at 5. And Sundays at 4. It's a new show every week. Now enjoy this week's Rock School radio show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. It's time for school. Rock school with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Government do take a bite, don't you? <laughs> and Chad P. Let These them are names. have it. Let them have it. Class is in. Hey, this is Rock School on the Rock School Radio Network, and uh, we're recording this show the Monday before the election. So congratulations to the President of the United States, Mr. Uh, we don't know who I don't won, understand why everybody's so, making such yeah. a big deal about picking a president. Why? There's a very more important uh, issue going on which, tomorrow which than the president. Which would be, which is Tuesday is the, tomorrow to us, remember that. Right. That's, uh, what, the what? new Aerosmith album's dropping tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. Let's get our priorities in order, That's man. That's right, and because we work in radio, we've already heard the whole thing. Yeah, so, you yeah. be. It's good. It's mm-hmm. very good, as a matter of fact. I love, love Triple X. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. like Street Jesus. Yep. That's a good song off of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's a very good album. I think they did well. Right. The duet with Carrie Underwood, as you said, is going to get all kinds of play. Oh, yeah. It'll country go pop record, radio. All of that. And uh, Love Her A Lot, I think, mm-hmm. is going to be the second single off of it. So yeah. I think it's going to be good. And we'll find a reason to play it here on the Rock School Radio Network. Yeah, sure. Now, Chad. Yes, sir. You are wrapping up your uh, master's degree. I am. Right. You're just about done with mm-hmm. that. So you are soon going to be Master P. That's right. Ah, <laughs> look at that. Thank oh, you very much. I did good. So you took a law class. I did. Right. Did you get into copyright? We touched base on it very, very uh, briefly. Did you get into work for hire? No. Right. Do you know what the number 35 means? What? No. Okay, very good. (laughs) Tell me what these albums have in common, Chad Pierce. Let's see if you can do it. Go for it. But seriously, folks, Joe Walsh, Mm -hmm. Double Vision, Foreigner, Mm -hmm. Billy Joel's 52nd Street, Springsteen, Darkness on the Edge of Town, Double Live Gonzo, Ted Nugent, and one more, Jerry Rafferty, City to City. Uh, Any idea? What do they have in common? What do they have in common? What do these things have in common? If I was going to take a stab at it, I would say that they all came out in the 70s. Yes, yes, yes. But what year of the 1970s? Take a shot in the dark. Uh, 77. Oh, you missed it by a year. 1978. Oh, Oh, you went the wrong way. (laughs) 1978. They all came out in 78? And that matters. It matters in terms of copyright. Uh It matters in terms of uh, copyright, Section 203 of copyright law. Uh It matters in terms of work for hire. It matters in terms of termination rights. Okay. Because soon it is going to be January 1st. 2013. 35 years after 1978. Right. Do the mathematics. Because we're going to get in today into a little academic-y type stuff, but it matters for artists who had music that came out in 1978. 
albums recorded after January 1st, 1978, because there was this little tiny thing stuck into copyright law Mm -hmm. called termination clauses, termination rights. You usually when you talk copyright, the, the, the concept of copyright is that copyright sticks with you. 50 years after you're dead. Oh, wow. So don't concern yourself with it, right? Yeah. However, However. whoop, in goes this little termination thing. I'll tell you why the termination was stuck in there and why it matters to people who recorded these albums right after we play a song from 1978. As a matter of fact, all the music we're going to play today was recorded in 1978. Late, great 1978. That's right. Where were you in 78? Boy, I wish that rhymed. I was a so, thought. <laughs> we're going to start with Sticks, Blue Collar Man. The people of Sticks didn't own, as a matter of fact, don't at the moment own Blue Collar Man. Oh, but wait about another 45 days, yeah, right? Give it a few days. Happy New Year. All right, boys, let's go see if we can't get our music out. <laughs> Here is Blue Collar Man. All right, let's talk copyright coming out of sticks. All right, you're probably wondering where did this come from? Was this always in copyright law? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm familiar with copyright law, but we're talking about them. I thought copyright had something to do with someone not being able to duplicate your work because it's your work. Well, it's it's intellectual property law, okay. meaning you own the intellectual, intellectual property. Right. However... Many times when you sign with a company, for example, during the Internet.com boom, I had an Internet website. Yes. And in order for me to have it distributed and put on with a major New York company, I had to sign the copyright away. Uh They had to own it. And that's many times what happens when a rock band signs with a company. They sign away the copyright of their songs okay. and all their future songs. Mm-hmm. The company owns them. Gotcha. And Now, that doesn't happen all the time. Prince owns all of his songs. Don McLean owns his songs. Now, again, it doesn't happen all the time, but many times it does. So, obviously, it would be an advantage if you could maintain possession and control of your material. Well, yes, and sometimes no, because uh-huh. if you do own your own songs, it's entirely possible a major record company won't distribute them because they can't make as much money off of ah, it. Okay. It all has to do with you know record contracts and how you set it up. Right. If you give control over to the record company, you're mm-hmm. paid royalties off your songs, and mm-hmm. they can make more money, and thus you may very well have the power of their major system, their machine behind you. Sure, the marketing machine will work in your behalf. Right, that's the concept. Well, in 1976, copyright law was amended this way. Under Section 203 of the Copyright Act, the author or the heirs of the author Mm -hmm. are allowed to terminate copyright of sound recording, which means, do the mathematics, 1978, obviously not 76 because it took two years to get Mm -hmm. the thing up and running, but 78 plus 35, Mm -hmm. that means in 2013, those that had a recording in 76 are allowed to terminate the rights Mm -hmm. or allowed to try and terminate the rights. Come on, the record people are going to fight this, and I'll tell you how they're going to fight (laughs) it in just a little bit. So, the 
Section 203 states you have to ask to terminate the rights at least two, no more than 10 years prior to the date to which termination takes effect. So back in 0203... You had to start trying sure. to get this thing. If you haven't already, you still have 10 years to try it. Mm -hmm. So you have all the way up until 2023 to petition to get the rights back. Okay. Now, will you get them? Well, that remains Don't to be know. seen. Huh? We'll find out whether you get them or not. Now, we'll continue talking about the copyright and what people are going to do and what stars are doing it. But right now, let's play a song that very well could be given right back to the people that have it. This guy especially, Warren Zevon. Now, it wouldn't be Zevon because he's passed away. It would be his heirs yeah. in the Werewolves of London, right here on Roxical. And once again, every song we're playing today is from 1978. So the Werewolves of London was from 78. The next song we'll play will be from 78. Now, the record companies don't want to give up the copyrights of these songs. Well, of course they don't. Right? Of course they don't. So they're going to fight. The fight has already been attempted. Oh. In 1999, the RIAA, the Record Industry Association of America, went to Congress and said, no, you got to stop these termination rights. You can't do these termination rights. However, Congress said, no, termination <laughs> rights are good. And there was an outcry, and Congress backed down. No, the termination rights will remain inside of the copyright section 203. So this is something that started then and has been ongoing ever Which, since then? It's been since 1976, and it's, it's one of those things where you can see it. I mean, 213 was coming. Yeah. And and the, the the people of the people of the record industry could see two thirteen is only the first of the year. Mm -hmm. Next year in two fourteen, all those from nineteen seventy nine yeah. can petition. Yeah. Two fifteen, uh -huh. nineteen eighty. To, you know, so just this thing. This thing's going to snowball into right. the, like all this money that they're going to lose, and they don't like it. Well, think about it. Every single year, all those back catalog songs that are right now owned by record companies mm -hmm. will soon. Well, if the petitions are done correctly, yeah, will soon be owned by the artists. So all of those royalties that can be grabbed by the record companies uh -huh. through sales on iTunes and through all other things, which we'll talk about later in the show, mm -hmm. will no longer be going to the record company. They'll be going to the artists. But you said yourself that the artist has the potential to not make as much money if they have ownership. But at this point, I guess it doesn't really matter, does it? Not if the song is established. Ah, for, yeah. For example... The song doesn't have to have the major label money marketing it. machine behind it because it's already done its job. Right. A brand new song obviously has to have the machine behind it. Sure. But think Hotel California. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure what year Hotel California is from. But I don't it know doesn't need any head. help. you got to be kidding me. Hotel yeah. California? Right. You mean, if let's say the Eagles take back Hotel California and the record label has never actually uh, marketed it for uh, use in a commercial. Uh -huh. Now, the Eagles don't need any money, and I don't know that they would ever do this, but for the sake of argument, let's say the, the, the record company has never put it up for use in California. Right. Now, the Eagles own it and throw it up in the air and say, okay, how about the California Tourism Board? Yeah. Would you like this? Uh -huh. They trip all over themselves to get at it. Right, right. So, and there's nothing that the label could do about it. You got it. That's oh, wow. The, see, that's the thing. Uh -huh. All of a sudden, uh, say, a song by Devo, Can't Get No Satisfaction, which I have on the list. I can play here. It's from 76. Yeah. 
all of a sudden, you know, what's a, you know, red rubbin, yum, I can get some satisfaction. Now Devo begins to play. Look at you. You know, I'm, you I'm just, just making that stuff <laughs> off the top of no, my No, I totally head. get it. Yeah, I mean, this is a major, major deal for these guys, and they're obviously sweating a little bit. Sure, and it, it, the artists, I don't know that they would even do that, but... Well, think about Moby. Mm -hmm. You know, people make a statement, I never hear Moby on the radio. Yeah, but you hear him on so many commercials. Oh, yeah. Black Keys. Yeah, yeah, Black Keys Keys just simply opened up their albums for use on commercials. And they used them. Sure, they get played on the radio, but they're also used all over commercials. Mm -hmm. And all these groups could open, not that they would, but they could open it up for use in commercials. Now, since the record companies did not... You know, get the uh, Congress to get rid of this clause, they're using something different called work for hire. Ooh. They're trying to proclaim it's work for hire. Now, I know you know what work for hire is. Let's play another one. We'll come back and we'll explain what work for hire is. Bob Seeger, I feel like a number. <laughs> 2013 is the number you're feeling <laughs> like. Sounds like this, Rock School. First break here on Rock School. Now, the RIAA did not get the termination rights clause thrown out of Section 203 of copyright. Congress said, go pound sand. Right. So what now the RIAA is trying to do to get around this termination clause thing Mm -hmm. is claim that these artists who created music for them were work for hire employees. Yeah. All right. Now, what is work for hire employees? You and I are work-for-hire employees. We are. Right. This show that we're doing, Rock uh-huh. School, we do not own this show. No. The university owns this show. Mm-hmm. Why? We work for the university. That's right. We are producing this show on university equipment. That's right. On right. university property. On university property. And because of that... This show, the copyright for this show, and any money that's made off of this show, and this show does make money, believe it or not, we have a sponsorship, mm-hmm. it all go, doesn't go to us. No. We make no money doing this show. We're paid a salary by the university. All the money for this show goes to this radio station, and it's a deal we made, and and we're fine with it. Yep. Obviously, this is our 292nd show. <laughs> we, we are probably okay with it. Uh, record companies are claiming those people who worked for them Mm -hmm. were work for hire people. Okay. Okay. This is now a question of are you an employee or are you an independent contractor? Did you get a 1099 or a W-2? You got it. That's (laughs) the question. Did you pay me a W-2, meaning did you take out FICA? Yeah. Did you take out Social Security? Did you split the the, the Social Security with me and such? And the artists are saying, you never provided me with a W-2. Sure. You Uh never took out taxes. You never did anything like that. So I was never, ever technically an employee of yours. That's right. Thus, what I created was never, ever a work for hire. Mm -hmm. Right. See, when I write books that are not part of the, and, and I have written books. I know that sounds, you know, when I write books, and I, and I have, <laughs> but when I want them to be my copyright ownership, yep. they have nothing to do with this university. Mm-hmm. They're written at home on my own equipment. Mm-hmm. But if they're publications for my job, yep. they're written here. That's right. Yeah, because they have to separate, uh-huh. which, is what the uni- which is what the artists are saying. Okay, so the RIAA shouldn't even have a case then. 
If well, you can't provide any type of documentation that said, yes, you you worked for me. Look, this is your hire date. This is whenever we started paying your benefits and everything. Right. You don't have any of that. You can't prove it. It's for a judge to decide. What? I wish I wish I could tell you that the RIA isn't going down without a fight. Well, I understand that, but that's a dumb that's a dumb fight. They got a whole room of hot and happy lawyers, <laughs> and here they come. Hello, Radio Universidad, Salamanca, Spain. Thanks for running the radio show. Hello, KSCL in Shreveport, Louisiana. We'll be expecting RW twos from you any day now. <laughs> Please, government, do take a bite, don't you? <laughs> Get us on Facebook, search Rock School Radio Show, and like us. You really like us, and we'll send you a W two for nothing. Back in a minute, Rock School. You know what some people are going to say about this? These artists wanting to have the copyright protection and such? Because Let these are them names. have it. Let them have it. You know, That's a what lot of people say. are going to say they're greedy. What? The same thing. You know, I don't I won't say that because I think ownership is you know is something that's required. I well, think we, you should have it. We you and I know both know what goes into all this. Of course. We know sure. how this, how the system works and everything. However, you think who have we played so far? Warren Zevon, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Seeger, Sticks. I'm about to play George Thorogood. None of these people are hurting for money. Well, no. None but of them. It's it's just the it's the moral victory that's important. I agree. I agree. It, you know, individual moral, societal ethics. You just kind of are of the opinion after 35 years, I, and maybe after 10 years, you should own your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You should be able to do with it as you please. If you want to take it out in the street and burn it, or let them use it in an Estee Lauder commercial, you should be able to do that. It's I, yours. Yeah, I it agree. It came out of your cognitive. I agree. I think you should be able to do it. But you know what's going to happen. I, you know, I, I don't care what the RAA says, but somebody is going to say, well, there they go again. It's going to be the Napster argument again. <laughs> there they go again. They're going to be greedy, and they're going to want to take their stuff and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, you know, I would be rich if I could be. It's their stuff. I would. Would you? Wouldn't you make a thousand dollars for each one of these rock school shows if you could do it? Yeah, I would. Yeah, go, go get us a sponsor that'll give us a thousand dollars per show. Yeah, okay, I'll be right back. Yes, ma'am. Here we go. It's George Thorogood. Move it on over here in rock school. I committed last night about a half past ten. That love a cool dog. A hot dogs moving in. Bottom of the hour here on Rock School. We're going to do seven days and 70 seconds, and we're going to come out with a guy who I think, you know, if anybody should have copyright ownership, it's this guy. We're going to do uh, Tom Petty coming out. Tom Petty's the guy that wouldn't let uh, wouldn't let Ticketmaster sell his tickets. He's mm-hmm. a guy that wouldn't let CDs be more than X number of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, all the way through all of that, he fought the record company. And, He's know, been if, fighting the good fight. Right, it's about if, time he gets a little uh, victory there. Right. If anybody should own his stuff, it should be Tom Petty's. We're going to come out with Tom Petty. Here are the dates for 7 Days and 70 Seconds. November 5 through November 11th, if I'm not mistaken, Chad has Monday. Go. Well, actually, you're mistaken. No, I'm just like, come on, <laughs> November 5th, 1995, the Wizard of Oz concert took place for the Children's Defense Fund. Jackson Brown was the Scarecrow. Roger Daltrey was the Tin Man. Nathan was the... Oh, weirdly lying. 
And Dorothy was played by Jewel. Very nice. November 6, 1973. Go back about three shows on this here radio show and you'll hear the whole story. Graham Parsons manager Phil Kaufman was fined $300 for stealing Graham Parsons' body from LAX. That's right. November 7th, happy anniversary, dear. 1991, Frank Zappa was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Yes, it was. Uh, November 8th, 2005, the original Guitar Hero game was released in North America. And you suck at it. I do. God, I'm terrible. November 9th, 1967, the first issue of Rolling Stone was released in San Fran, and John Lennon graced the cover. That's right. It was actually a paper, a newspaper. Oh, was it? It wasn't a glossy magazine like it is today. It was an actual newspaper. And November 10th, 1969, Rudolph the Red Knows Reindeer by Gene Autry finally gets a gold record after being released 20 years earlier. And in November 11th, 1969, Jim Morrison was jailed for, quote, interfering with the flight of an intercontinental aircraft in public drunkenness. The charges were later dropped. How is that possible? Because you're Jim Morrison, you can mess around with an airplane, and they drop the charges? Can you imagine that, Judge? Oh, Morrison, what now? Interfering with the flight of an intercontinental aircraft in public drunkenness. Again? Again? Did he did he expose himself? No. Well, then I don't want to hear yeah, that. Come on, give it a rest. Throwing it out. All right, Tom Petty, we promised him. I need to know. I need to know. I need to know when I'm getting my copy right back. Right here, Fox Gold. All right, we're talking about termination rights here on Rock School and the fact that in 1978, those people who put out uh, albums in the rock world, I guess in any world, uh, will be able to invoke termination rights that state after 35 years, you could, if you fill out the paperwork correctly, apparently, because you know that's going to come up. No, this paperwork isn't filled out correctly. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't have it. You could be able to get back your copyright ownership. Uh, And it's not just music. It it also has to do with... Anything. Yeah, pretty much anything you can carry copyright on, but we're specifically on this show. screenplay. Photographs. Photographs. We are mostly interested in music because of the topics of the show. Yeah, you hit it uh, right there what I was going to ask you. If you do the paperwork, you have to ask for it back. It doesn't just automatically go back to you. You'd be a fool not to, Right. but you have to ask for it back and you have to do it correctly. If I read it correctly, you could have asked two years before 2013 yeah. and up to 10 years after. Okay. If I read it correctly, I may be reading that 10 years incorrectly, which means it would be eight years after, which means you have a 10-year spread now, to uh, do it. Now, a little earlier, we had mentioned something. There was a clause that said you can begin the process up to 10 years prior, correct? Uh, two years prior. Oh, that I know. That's written pretty straightforwardly. Okay. The question is, how does the 10 years work? Uh-huh. Do we get 10 years afterwards, or is it a 10-year spread, mm-hmm. which means you only get eight years afterwards? I two years you. before, eight years after. I, yeah. I couldn't quite make it. It was written in lawyerese. <laughs> so uh, it, it may be a 10-year spread, or it may be a 12-year spread. Two sure. years previous, 10 years after. Right. Not sure. Gotcha. Don Henley was asked, okay, you get, this is from Rolling Stone magazine, mm-hmm. okay, you get back the copyright. What do you do? Now you've got it. What are you going to do? And he stated, Don Henley, they can re-up with the label Mm -hmm. and use the fact that they own the copyright as leverage to negotiate a recording agreement. Well, they can. Mm -hmm. The Eagles can, because all the Eagles have to do is put out a new album and boom. But what about a group like UFO? Uh Would UFO have as much leverage Journey might be able to, mm-hmm. but you know, would another lesser group, would Donny Iris 
be able to. Well, also you hit it on the head a while ago. The heirs of the of the artists, if they've passed, so Warren Zevon obviously can't do it. He's dead. Right. Could you do something like that? Uh, what else does he say here? They can invoke termination rights and take back their master recordings and see what they can do with them for themselves. You know, maybe they can start their own record label yep. and use that to sign other artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can shop it around and see if anybody else wants it, an indie label, something like that. Or you can go back and re-record everything. Oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't like the original recordings. I've heard many times that artists are not a fan because, remember, the record label owned the copyright. Yep. And the record label could have said, you know, cut it down to 305, mm-hmm. uh, put a saxophone solo mm-hmm. here, do this, do that, do that. And the artist could very well say, I never liked the way that sounded. Do it again. Is that good? I don't know. Uh, it depends. It depends. It, it could be the that the public goes, you know, I... Mm-hmm. I like the way it sounded back. I like it with a saxophone in it. You got it. I like the way it sounded. I like the way the hit sounded. Why would you not want to do this? Well, believe it or not, there are some reasons why an artist might not want to do this. Here's Ario Speedwagon from Guess What Year? That's right, 78. Roll with the changes. Sounds like this, Rockstar. Second break here on Rock School. Why would you not want to do this? I'm trying to wrap my head around this question. I've been thinking about it for a couple of minutes, and I honestly can't give you an answer. All signs point to yes. You need to do it. You should do it. Bad blood. Bad blood. Bad blood. That's the only one I could find. It says here, a guy named Stephen Marks, he's a lobbyist for the Recording Industry Association of America, did an interview with the New York Times. He stated his organization believes that the termination rights obviously don't apply to sound recordings. Well, of course, that's what he's going to say. (laughs) If he says anything different than that, it can be used against him in a court of law. He deals with the four major record companies, Universal, EMI, Warner, and Sony BMG. Mm-hmm. And each one of them believes it was strictly work for hire. Now, I, I think, I, you know, I'm just a guy on the radio, but I think we debunked that a little earlier on that because I don't think these people were employees, I think they were independent contractors, you can't really claim work for hire. But then again, I'm not a lawyer. Maybe a lawyer can, you know, finagle it out that they were work for hire. But the main reason you may not want to do this is bad blood. If you are with Universal, EMI, Warner, or Sony BMG, you have, as you called it earlier today, the machine behind you Mm -hmm. you know you can you know well i'll go get signed up with this little indie thing i'll get signed up with this little sub pop nirvana couldn't have become nirvana if they stayed with sub pop right they had to go with geffen right geffen could get them everywhere the machine walks away the machine walks away you're on your own dude you got it and if you're not in in, you know eagles status right it could possibly hurt you you got it it could very well be that Mm. now you're going on tour who do you tour with? You know, if don't you're bite with, the hand that feeds you. You man. got it. If you're with EMI and you're not an uh, you're not a headlining act, well, the you know the major act needs someone to open for them. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're the biggest act with the little indie group. Yeah. You're playing to thousand, three thousand person halls. And you could have been playing to thirty. You got it. You huh. could have been opening for Aerosmith, which by the way will be cheap trick. That's right. So and you have tickets. I yeah, do. yeah, yeah. But you see that whole I you know, see. Oh yeah. What yeah, do yeah. you do? So that's 
that's the downside of it. Hmm. <laughs> that's the question. Hey, KLSU, thanks for running the radio show. Hey, WBSD in Burlington, Wisconsin. <laughs> Back in a minute with more voice inflections like that here on Rock School. Okay, we're running out of time, so here real quick. How much money really can be made if you own the the, the copyright of songs? A couple of bucks. Ready for this? Sure. If you have an album that sells ten to 15,000 copies a year with a basic contract, uh-huh. $20,000 says one attorney. Okay, uh-huh. so ten to fifteen—that's a little more than a dollar per album. Sure. Over the course of twenty years, you're talking real money. Mm-hmm. Fine. At one of the four majors, catalog—that's the stuff we're talking about—constitutes an astonishing ninety percent of recorded music sales. Hmm. That's according to Nielsen SoundScan. So, of ten records sold, yeah, on downloads, yeah, nine of them are these kind of pieces of music. Ooh. Thus, do you want your copyright back? Yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Yes, you want those back. So, here are the police, all the way back from 78. I can't, I can't, I can't stand losing you <laughs> and my copyright here on Rock School. Okay, got next to no time in the last break, so let me get this information out to you real quick. Don Henley and Cheryl Crow have formed the Recording Artists Coalition, and their whole purpose is to let artists know what is required of them to apply and get back the uh, copyright because of the termination rights clause mm-hmm. inside of the copyright set. They are educating them. That's, that's the whole purpose of it. Now, who has applied? I have only found three people that I know for a fact have applied. Applied. I was thinking everybody would apply. Uh, you know, not even Don Henley has stated he's applied. Now he may have since the Rolling Stone article. Well, he doesn't have to disclose that, huh? I mean, that's just that's his own business. Entirely possible, but I haven't found yet that he has. Okay. The three people that I found that have applied, uh-huh. Tom Waits has applied. Oh, Lord, I'd give him his stuff without a fight. Yeah. With that voice, I sure. Don't, yeah, I don't want to hear him. It's Steve- your burlap sack bird seed voice. <laughs> Stephen Greenberg, writer and producer of Lips Incorporated's disco hit Funky Town. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which again, he could probably make a ton of money off advertising with that. And Victor Willis, original lead singer of the group and part author of YMCA. Hey, hey. Yeah, he's applied as well. Oh, Those yeah. are the only three I found that have applied. So keep an eye on it. When the first of the year hits, that's when the termination clause comes into play. That's and people right. And start getting back their copyright. That's right. January 2nd, they'll be at the door. Hello. I'll take the money now. <laughs> it, it ain't going to happen that quick. The people of the RIAA are going to fight. There's no two ways about it. Well, it will tie up in court. They will probably lose. You also. think so, but you know, lawyers can make arguments. So, I'm Joe Burns. I'm Chad P. We don't own these names. However, we can, uh, let's see, 35 <laughs> years from now, we can apply to get them back in 2041. I can have my name in 2041. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. Glasses dismissed.